Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. And uh, Happy New Year to all of you. For those who were away, welcome back. Nice to see you guys again. And um, yeah, uh, may this be a, a very special year to, to all of you. Um, it's sort of traditional at the beginning of a year to make New Year's res- resolutions. Um, and, you know, it can be a good thing, you know. Uh, even though, I mean, statistically I've heard that a very low percentage of the resolutions actually last past February. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to just talk a bit about um, about wisdom and about plans for the year. Um, I've entitled my sermon, Our Plans and God's Plans, and um, fr- I'm going to just be sharing from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs um, chapter 16. Uh, the book of Proverbs is, is all about wisdom, and wisdom is... <clears throat> being competent to live and making wise decisions and choosing what is the will of the Lord in those areas that Scripture does not explicitly cover and that that are not necessarily moral decisions. Every day we make dozens and dozens and dozens of decisions. And most of them aren't, you know, decisions that are you know, explicitly moral or that is necessarily explicitly covered in Scripture. Like, for instance, you know, it, most of you don't have to make a decision, um, you know, on a daily basis, am I going to murder someone? <laughs> so, well, uh, parents sometimes feel like they have to make that decision on a regular basis. <laughs> the, but the reality is, most of the decisions we make um, I mean, at the end of the day, y- your life is sort of the sum total of the decisions you've made. So that making wise decisions are important. And especially when you have to make decisions in areas that Scripture does not explicitly cover. Then we need wisdom. And, and the book of Proverbs is, um, you know, full of, full of wisdom. And one of the things that Proverbs talks about, I'm just going to read, um, this is not my main scripture, but I just want to read from Proverbs 21, verse 4 and 5. It says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, um, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. Uh, and then it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Uh, and you could translate it, the, the plans of the diligent or the plans of those who are reflective, who who take time out to think and to plan, um, lead, um, uh, lead to abundance. But everyone who is hasty, or a good translation would also be everyone who is impulsive. In other words, who doesn't plan, who just impulsively does whatever they want to do, uh, leads to poverty. So the Bible is very pro-planning. Proverbs is very pro-planning. But, and it's, it's understandable, because if you look at Genesis chapter 1, we see God planning. He says, let us make man in our image. God doesn't just act and do stuff. He plans them, and then he executes them. Okay? And, and when we do that, when we plan and execute, we are actually reflecting God. Because like God, we're using our creativity to imagine a future and then to work towards it. Okay? Now, um, the reality is... 
this, this passage that I'm going to... Let me, let me actually start by reading the passage in um, Proverbs chapter 16 from verse 1 to 9. Uh, it says, the, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue comes from, uh, is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit or weighs the motive. Commit, to the, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. As assured, be assured, he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And, you know, you, you, you'll hear often, quite a few of those proverbs talk about a man's ways, our ways. And, and it's this idea that life, when we, we live our life, we, 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 we walk in certain ways. In other words, it's the idea that life is a journey. So, in other words, 2024, in this year, we're going on a journey. We're traveling. In a sense, you're traveling through time at the rate of one second per second, okay? So <laughs> we're all time travelers. We're going to travel through time through 2024. We're going to travel through life as a journey. And I just want to highlight three things that this passage talks about and wants us to be aware of. It wants us to be aware of the fact that this journey through this year and through our life is a journey, firstly, a journey with the Lord. Secondly, it's both an internal and an external journey. And thirdly, it's a journey of salvation. Okay? And these things are true, but we're not always aware of them. So let's just, let's just look at that. You'll see that, that um, most of these verses talk about the Lord and the fact that this, the Lord is in, involved in our lives in, in, a, in a, very, a very everyday and often unnoticed way. Now, it starts off, the first and the last verse says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And then the last verse says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And it's talking there about two things that to us, in our humanity and our human thinking, is very difficult to hold together. The fact that we have human freedom of choice to make decisions, but that God is also sovereign over our lives. And most people are able to accept one or the other, but not both at, at the same time. Most people are able to say, my plans are important. Or God's hand in my life and God's sovereignty, God's establishing my steps. That's, that's, that's the thing. But very few people can hold those two together. And the Bible calls us to hold them together. You know, think about it. Just, just think with me. If, um, if all of our lives only depended on us and the decisions we made and the plans we made... What would our lives be like if it only depended on us? What would our lives be like? 
Think, just think about that for a, for a moment. I mean, most of us who are married, at some stage or another, probably dated someone that we're not now married to. And probably worked quite hard and planned quite extensively to try and win that person over and get married to them. And looking back, we can see that if we had married that person or those people that we had dated before, it would not have been good. Even though at that time we thought it was the best thing in the world. Hello? <laughs> Is there anyone who can, who can say amen to that? And, and we all know, I mean, if, if you look back at your life 10 years ago, if you look at your life 10 years ago and you look at the things that you wanted, the goals that you set, the plans that you made, aren't you at least to some extent thankful that not all of those desires were fulfilled, that not all of those goals were achieved, that not all of those plans were accomplished? Aren't you relieved? <laughs> I mean... The, and, 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 and if, you, if you say that, if you look back 10 years and say, okay, I'm glad that not everything I wanted 10 years ago I achieved. You have to acknowledge that 10 years from now you're going to look back and say, not everything that you want now is what's best for you. Okay? Now, the reality is if, if our lives only depend on our plans. Now, now this scripture clearly says... Um, the plans of the heart belong to man. In other words, your plans are your own. You have freedom to make plans. And those plans are genuine plans and they're real plans out of real intentions and desires in your heart. They're not just theoretical, they're real. Your, your ability to make decisions is real according to Scripture. So that when you make plans and you execute on them, you are responsible. When you make decisions and follow through on them, it's on you. When you do the wrong stuff, it's because you decided to. <laughs> and when you do the right things, it's because you decided to. We are responsible for our decisions and our plans and the goals and stuff that we set. Okay? And, but the reality is, when you start thinking about it, if you really think about it, if that was all that is true, that everything depended on your decisions and your plans, you would be very afraid you would be very afraid if you thought about it. The only way you cannot be afraid if you believe that it only depends on you is if you don't think about it. If you studiously and carefully avoid thinking about it and meditating on it. And just, you know, ignorance is bliss. You know, just sort of go through life and, and, and don't think about the consequences of... Because you and I, we know ourselves well enough to know that, number one, we don't know what's best for us and... Often what we choose is explicitly not what's best for us. Okay, that's, that's the one side. But then there's the other side which says, not only the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue or, uh, is of the Lord, or the Lord, even despite our plans, the Lord establishes our steps. And if only that were true, if all our steps were established by the Lord and everything was predetermined, that would also cause you to say, whereas, I mean, if, if you thought it all just depended on you, it, it, it would sort of paralyze you with fear. You know, what if I make the wrong decision? If everything depends on my decision, what if I make the wrong decision? It would paralyze you. But if nothing depended on you 
and it's all just the Lord establishing your steps and everything is predetermined, then why care? Why try? Why plan? Why do anything? Because nothing really matters because everything is predetermined. And, and, and that wouldn't work either. And, and that's why the biblical view of holding those two together is much better. Because it says our plans are real. And the decisions we make are significant. The plans we make are significant and genuine and real. But God does not leave us at the mercy of our plans. Because sometimes, because God establishes our steps, and sometimes He establishes this, our steps as we walk through life, as we journey through life, in line with our plans and in execution of our plans. But sometimes He establishes our step despite our plans. And in contrast to our plans. And all we can say is thank you God (laughs) for both of those. So sometimes God uses our plans and works through our plans. And sometimes he works against our plans. And in other words, God's sovereignty and God's sovereign control over our lives, where he literally establishes our steps, is a wonderful, comforting safety net underneath us. I mean, think about this for a moment, that it sets you free to make plans as well as you can with the safety net of knowing that there's a loving, almighty, all-wise God who, when you plan the wrong stuff, will sovereignly intervene in your life. And even when he allows the wrong stuff that you plan to come upon, to come to pass, he will use them for your good. That is so comforting. And that sets you free to plan, but to also then be open to say, God, I know myself. I don't know everything. I'm not all wise. I I want to grow in wisdom by all means, but I, I, I don't have all wisdom to make all the right decisions So please, God, I I, I want to make my plans for the year, but I want to submit my plans for the year to you because I want you, (laughs) when my plans are in line with your plans, to allow them to come to pass. But when my plans are not in line with your plans, I want you to frustrate them. I want you to intervene and to, 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 to change. So we must be aware that our journey through this coming year and through life is a journey with the Lord. It's, it says that the Lord quietly and um, unobtrusively is actively involved in every step of our lives. And that, that's, a, that's a great comfort. I mean, just, just think about it for a moment. Just think about it. That, I mean, we, we often think that, that God is sort of distant and that he's just involved in the big things in our lives, or just involved in the things in our lives that we ask him to be involved in. Don't we often think that? But this scripture says, no. Every step is established by the Lord. Every word, everything you do, whether in word or in deed, what ultimately happens is established by the Lord. In other words, God is much more involved in your life. Now, think about this. At the beginning of this year, Isn't it comforting to think that there's an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God who loves you more than you love yourself, who knows what's best for you more than you know for yourself, that is so intimately involved in your life? How does that knowledge change the way that you approach this year? 
Just turn to each other in, in two, two by two and quickly just share with the person next to you. How does that understanding change the way that you approach this year? So, um, verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Um, and, and, you know, that when you, when you think carefully about that um, scripture, it sort of surprises you a bit, doesn't it? Because what we think it should say is, commit your plans to the Lord and your work will be established. Or commit your plans to the Lord and what you do will, will be successful. Okay? But it says, it doesn't say that. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit what you do to the Lord and your plans will be successful. And what it's saying is, as you commit what you do to the Lord, everything you do to the Lord, whatever you do to the Lord... You become someone, the Lord makes you someone who will plan in line with his will and have successful plans. God changes you to be more like him. And we're going to talk just now about, you know, it being an internal and external journey. And, and part of the external journey is establishing certain habits, certain ways, certain rhythms of life. And one of those rhythms is regularly, daily, committing everything that you do to the Lord. I mean, th that's one habit I want to I, I recommend to you for this year. If you're not already doing it, at the beginning of each day, take your, your diary, take your schedule, take your, whatever you use for your daily planning, put it down before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what's on my schedule for the day. This is what's on my planner for the day. This is what, what I have to do, and this is what I'd like to do. And I'm committing it to you. And I'm asking you to be involved in it. I'm asking you to intervene, either by establishing what I do when I'm planning the right stuff, or by tweaking what I do, changing what I have to do, changing how things work out. Um, and, and then it goes on and it says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Now, as you walk with the Lord, you can know that everything in your life is there for a purpose. Even the unpleasant things. Even the unpleasant people. Those colleagues, those bosses, those, you know, friends or frenemies or whatever <laughs> that, that irritate you. That person in your small group that knows, you know, which buttons to push, you know. <laughs> And how to annoy you. That, that brother or sister that just knows how to annoy you. Don't look at them now. <laughs> Let's keep it a secret. <laughs> but I, I mean, th those, those can be annoyances. But, but sometimes there are, are even people who are really wicked that come into our lives. Things that are really wicked that come into our lives. And what this scripture is saying is God allows everything for a purpose. And even when wicked things and wicked people come into our lives, it's, it's, it's not beyond God's purpose. We might not know what that purpose is. We might not be able to see or tell what that purpose is. And, and it's not like, you know, when something bad happens, then within a week's time, you'll be able to look back and say, ah, oh, you know, now I can see why it why God allowed. It's not like that. Sometimes you really cannot see. You can know that God makes all things work together for our good, 
for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. But sometimes in life you cannot, you, you cannot see what that purpose is. But it is, once again, a comfort to know that God has a purpose for everything. Okay? Um, then it says in, in verse um, 7, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, one of our greatest aims for this year and, and for our plans for this year should be to please the Lord. Our, our default setting as fallen human beings is to please ourselves, first and foremost, and secondly, to please the people around us. We are naturally self-pleasers and people-pleasers. That's naturally what we are. But when we are aware, when we go on this journey and we are aware that it's a journey with the Lord, we can say, I want to please the Lord. I want to not be limited by my natural default setting. I, 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 want, I want to actually do what's pleasing to the Lord because ultimately that is what's going to be best for me and best for everyone around me, is to please, uh, to please the Lord. And this journey, all of us can be more aware, and I, I, I shared about it last week as well, where, where, where Jacob was lying on that stone and he had the dream about Jacob's ladder, the stairway to heaven. And he woke up and what did he say after he woke up? He said, the Lord is here and I wasn't even aware of it. And so often we live like that. We live without an awareness of the Lord's presence. Okay? And the fear of the Lord, because he talks about that through... through um, you know, fear of the Lord, sin is avoided or evil is avoided. The fear of the Lord is just part of it is having that constant awareness of God's presence and that we're living before God and under God's gaze, in God's sight, as it were. And I want to recommend that to you. Let this be a year where you, in your planning and your execution during this year, you do it in an aware, with an awareness of God's presence. And a thankfulness for God's presence and his involvement in your life. And secondly, um, not only should we be, be aware that, that it's a journey with God, but we should be aware that it's both an internal and an external journey. Notice it says that the plans of the heart belong to man. Of the heart. Now, now the heart in, in the Bible is, is not just your emotions. It's, it's the, the, the complete inner being. It's, your, it's your, your thoughts, your thinking, your reasoning, your will, your decisions, your emotions. It's much broader than the word heart in, in modern English. Okay, So we plan with our heart, our intentions, our desires, all of that work into our plans. And, and that's why it says um, in, in verse 3, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. In other words, God will change your heart. And it says in verse, verse 2, um, all the ways of man appear in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The Lord weighs the inside. The Lord weighs the motives. And then he talks about the, the proud in heart or the arrogant in heart. So in other words, be aware of this. Now, often we don't think about that. Often what we think about is what are the outcomes I want this year? If, if I had to ask you to share, you know, at the end of this year, 
What needs to happen for you to consider it a successful year, a good year? Most people will share something that they want to change, something that they want to accomplish, something that they want to acquire. In, um, in verse 8, it says, Better a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. So most people will say, I want to make more money. I want more revenues. Few people will say, I want to be more righteous. And what this is telling us is the internal journey is even more important than the external journey. And the external journey depends on the internal journey. Even if you have a very successful external journey, if your internal journey is not successful, if you don't go on the right journey internally, then your external journey doesn't matter. You can do all the right things, accomplish everything that you dream of and desire, meet all your objectives and your goals, and yet, in God's sight, it can be a very unsuccessful year because the internal journey didn't happen. You might have gained a lot, much gain, much revenues or whatever, but with injustice rather than with righteousness. So what we need to realize is, and in your planning for this year, plan to go not just on an external journey, but also on an internal journey. Plan to not only accomplish goals on the outside, but goals on the inside. Plan to accomplish not only change and progress on the outside, but progress on the inside, progress in your heart, in your motives, in your desires. Allow God to change your heart so that you more and more become like God so that you want what God wants for you, so that you, your plans more and more line up with God. Um, you know, any, any good book... You know, if you, if you just think of any sort of fictional book, a good story. Why do we enjoy good stories? Why do we enjoy reading good stories? It's not just because there's a plot, you know, there's some other danger or threat on the outside, and your protagonist, your, your main character has to deal with it. It's also because of the response in their heart your main characters are, how they think, how they respond emotionally to the situation. It's not just the effect the character has in the work that they do or the actions that they take. It's the effect that what is happening has on the character. It's the external journey and the internal journey and the connection between the two. That's what we enjoy in good stories. And, and what this is telling us is that our lives is a story written by God. And he's interested in the external story and the internal story. The external journey and the internal journey. So, I don't know if you've made New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you have plans for this. Yeah, I hope you do. If you don't, start writing down your plans for the year. If you already have Go and check your plans for the year and make sure that they cover not just the external journey, but also the internal journey. Set goals not just on the outside. I want to get a promotion or I want to get married <laughs> or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know. But also set internal goals and say, this is how I want my heart to change. 
This is how I want my heart to grow. Okay. And um, the third thing, I'm going to go quicker because uh, Rochelle is looking at me. <laughs> the third thing, so, so this year is going to be a, a journey with the Lord. It's going to be an internal and an external journey. And thirdly, it's, it's a journey of salvation. Um, in verse 6, it says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by fear, the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. One avoids evil. Let me just read it in the NIV as well. It says it nicely. It says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids sin. And what it's talking about is the reality that in our lives... Now, you know, I'm seeing this more and more. A a big part of the difference between people who are conservative and people who are liberal is the following. Liberal people think that there's no problem on the inside, all the problems are on the outside. And you just have to change the institutions. You just have to change... The economy, you just have to change the outside stuff and give people more opportunities and then everything will be great. Conservative people say you can give people all the opportunities in the world, but because of problems on the inside, they're not always going to use it. Not everyone's going to use those opportunities. You cannot just change the outside. People have to change on the inside. It doesn't help you just change institutions and laws and stuff like that. People's hearts need to change. Okay? Now, that is what what this scripture is talking about. It's talking about the the fact that all of us, every single one of us, is struggling with sin. And we're struggling with two kinds of sin, it says. We're struggling with sin in the past, sins that we've already committed. And we're struggling, we're going to struggle with sins in the future, sins we're still going to commit. (laughs) And, and it tells us how to deal with both of those sins. How do you deal, according to the scripture, with sins in your past? What, what, what needs to happen with them? They need to be atoned for. What, 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 how do you need to deal with sins in your future? They need to be avoided. Past sins need to be atoned for. Future sins need to be avoided. And it tells us how. It says, through steadfast love. The word there, the Hebrew word is chesed. It means covenant love. God's covenant love. It's faithful, steadfast covenant love. Um, and faithfulness, iniquity, is atoned for. And, and the word atoned for there literally means removed. I actually wrote it down. Let me just. It, it literally means removed by exchange. That's what atonement means or atoned for means. Removed. By exchange. And, and, and the language will remind Jews who are reading this of the sacrificial system, where an animal sacrifice was brought and your sins was exchanged and given. The animal paid for your sins and they were sacrificed. They died for your sins. And, and, and that is what it's saying here that what we need. On our journey of salvation, we need our sins, our past sins, to be atoned for. Um, now, think of this for, for a moment. Firstly, it's God's covenant love, His chesed, His 
faithful covenant love that causes him to do this. God doesn't just leave us in our sin, but because of his love for us and the covenant he's made with us, he says, part of that covenant is I'm going to make a way so that I don't have to punish you for your sin, so I can punish something else for whom your sin is exchanged. Um, if you, it says there, um, all a man's ways are innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. And we tend to think we're innocent, but we know actually that we're not. It, isn't it interesting that when you're in an argument, you know, and, and whether this is between friends or spouses or siblings or colleagues, whatever it is, um, when someone else does something wrong, it's always wrong. But when you do the same thing wrong, there's always a valid reason for it. When, when he or she uses that tone of voice, they're being rude. But when you use that tone of voice, it's quite acceptable and justified. <laughs> is it, or is it just me that's like that? <laughs> We're all like that, right? We, we, <laughs> we judge others on their actions and we judge ourselves on our intentions. And we're like, no, but my intentions weren't that bad. <laughs> um, but there's only, but none of us is truly innocent. We try and present ourselves and th- we like to think that we're innocent, but none of us really are innocent. But they, in the history of mankind, there was only one man who really was innocent, and that was Jesus. So if we're looking for atonement, removal of sin through exchange, there's only one candidate, and that's Jesus. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will be established, your plans will succeed. But none of us does that. None of us commits everything. Now, the word they commit means to roll over on and to trust in, by trust, surrendering everything that we do to the Lord. But none of us f- completely and perfectly does that. The only one who did completely and perfectly do that was Jesus. And it seemed that what he did was not successful. What did he get for trusting so and committing everything that he was and did to the Lord? He got death. He died on a cross. And it says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Obviously, all of Jesus' ways were pleasing to the Lord, yet his enemies were not at peace with him. His enemies killed him. You see, what happened there is that that's the atonement we're talking about. Jesus did everything that God requires for a good life, for a blessed life, for a favored life. And he received all the opposite of a good life, a blessed life, and a favored life. So that we who fail to do everything necessary for a good life, for a favored life, can receive it, what Jesus deserved to receive. That's the removing our sins by exchange. That's the atonement that it's talking about here. And then, I just want you to think about this, and I want to end off with this, the second part, the past sins, having our sins atoned for. But there's also the future sin that we have to deal with. Now, now I just want, I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I can't explain it um, in detail. But the only sin you will ever overcome in your life is a forgiven sin. 
Think about that for a moment. The, if you're struggling with a particular sin in your life, whether it's anger, you know, you, you, you tend to get outbursts of anger when, when people don't respond the way you want to, whether it's lust and you are tempted sexually, whether it's you know, whatever it is, if you struggle with a particular sin, you will never, ever overcome that sin unless that sin is forgiven and you know that sin is forgiven. The only sin you will ever overcome in your life is a forgiven sin. So the atonement must come before the avoiding. The sin must be atoned for before it can be avoided. Okay? But then it says, through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. You can avoid evil. You can avoid sin. It's as you become aware of God's presence and as you live out of, out of a reverence for God. The fear of the Lord is a, a radical, reverent responsiveness to the Lord, which leads to wisdom and great good. It's a radical, reverent responsiveness to the Lord. It's an awareness of God's presence. It's an awareness that you live before the Lord and that you live for the Lord. And as you live in that way, it empowers you and enables you to avoid sin. Can you see how beautifully God has dealt with not only our past sins, but also is dealing with our future sins and giving us all the tools that we need to change, not only on the outside, but also on the inside. Isn't that amazing? So I just want to hold before you, and let's actually stand. Um, if you can... If you can plan for this year, and I want to encourage you to go home and plan for this year, but plan with an awareness that this year is going to be a journey with the Lord. Don't exclude the Lord from your planning, and don't exclude Him from your daily life, because He wants to be and He is involved in your life. Okay? Secondly, take this year as a journey, being aware of the fact that it's both an internal and an external journey. It's not just things on the outside are going to change, things on the inside are also going to change. And they're either going to change for the better or for the worse. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I remember um, one preacher saying that um, everyone ends up somewhere, but very few people end up somewhere on purpose. So whether you plan or not, you're going to end up somewhere. You're going to take that journey. Okay, But you might as well plan for both the internal and the external journey and, and say, God, I want to plan for this journey to be in line with your plans for me. So a journey with the Lord, an internal and external journey, and a journey of salvation. A, a journey through the year in which God wants to deal with your sins, your past sins, and your future sins. And he wants to change you to become more like him. And I think if you plan for this year with that awareness... You plan for, for, for this year to be a journey, that kind of journey. Then it'll be a good year for you. Whether everything works out as you plan it or not, it'll be a good year for you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com